Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and we have a kind of interesting episode today. So I wanted to share something that's actually from our private course, which we have for uh, clients in our estate planning webinar program uh, that's called Case Fuel University. So basically, we have a number of different modules in it. The whole purpose of it was to help people close deals. And uh, we actually found ourselves in a position where we were getting a lot of shots on net, but some people were having trouble with closing consults. Now, bear in mind, this was uh, really kind of recorded in the heat of the whole COVID-19 pandemic. So a lot of people were kind of, I don't know whether this was a Dumbo's magic feather thing where they were having a harder time closing digitally versus in person. And a lot of the times too, we have some clients that come to our program. They've been used to referrals exclusively, which are going to be easier to close for reasons that we're actually going to outline in this presentation. But using the framework that we've had, this is actually, in addition to what we recommend for clients, it's also what we recommend for our own sales reps internally. So in addition to being able to speak to the strength of this framework firsthand, this is actually one of the best pieces of feedback that we've had from any training in case of the university for the very obvious reason that once people get this figured out, it can translate very quickly to cash in one's pocket. So I think it's a very important thing to focus on. And yeah, anyways, I'm going to quit beating around the bush. Without further ado, this is frame control and closing the deal. Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I wanted to record a I'm not going to say quick, but a important video on one of my favorite topics and what I hope will become one of your favorite topics, which is frame control and closing the deal. So probably don't need to belabor the importance of this kind of stuff. Nothing's really going to happen from any marketing unless we're getting people to close, right? And uh, at the beginning, I used to take a lot of this stuff for granted. I had the fortune of working in our early careers in the firms that we were working with were very large. And a lot of this was more or less taken for granted, you know, as long as we could keep the leads coming in and make it almost always close up. But as we continued running case fuel, we realized that wasn't the case for everybody. So what I'm going to attempt to do on this is to take a lot of the stuff that's kind of natural or intuitive with more of the advanced closers out there and and try to make it into a pretty simple model uh, that can work for basically anybody. And this is honestly the same stuff that we do with with you guys, our clients is the same stuff we do within our business. Basically any sort of negotiation, if you want to look at it or any sort of process kind of follows the same model. And we're not talking about these crazy gotcha lines, or it's not about being forceful, or it's not being a jerk really what good closing is using your expertise and your authority as somebody who practices the law, speaking with somebody who most likely doesn't practice the law to get the right information out of them and lead them to a conclusion that is best for them. So again, this isn't some crazy uh, Alec Baldwin copies for closers, that kind of stuff. This is really just about finding out mutual benefit. So we kind of want to start out and this is actually a quote that I really love. If we do not have a strategy for selling, then we're going to default to the client's strategy for selling, which is normally bad. So this is the thing, and this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, but if we really wanted to think about what the client wants, they want all the information that they can possibly get from you. They want as much of your time for free. 
They want to have you to do as much as them for possible for the least amount of money. And they want to make all of these decisions on their own. So why is that bad for them? If clients had it their way, and honestly, if, if you look at situations like the rise of stuff like LegalZoom, that is the kind of reducto ad absurdum of letting clients have it their way. You can have all the information in the world. You can make a decision when you want for however much you want. But if you have to think about it, the reason why LegalZoom is not the best and why somebody should be working with the proper attorney to get their situation handled is because they don't know what they don't know. They're looking for what's best for them based on what they know at the time, which is a fraction of what you know as the attorney, right? So we have to introduce new information because if you, if you let somebody take control of the situation, you're going to be forced to fit into their very, very narrow and frankly, uninformed worldview of what they need for estate planning versus what you know, which is much more informed. It's battle tested, it's experience tested and all that kind of stuff. So what do you want? Chances are you want, and you know, I don't think we've ever really signed a client that is some kind of a really you know, bad actor of, of any sort. All you guys practice good law. You guys want to have the best outcome for the client based on what their needs are for an appropriate price that allows you to have the resources to do what you need to do for them properly. Can we agree on that? And in most cases, this might be more than the client thinks that they want to deal with, right? But again, it's like we have to let them know about the value and let them get into the situation where they know. For example, if somebody think that they, they, they walk in there thinking that they want a simple will, but in reality, they have a alcoholic child and they know that they're going to probably kill themselves if they have the inheritance and we need to have a more advanced setup with their legal documentation to make sure that that's taken care of. They don't probably know that that's something that they can do. So this is on us to, uh, to go ahead and do that. And ultimately, you guys have the expertise and you know what's going to work for them. So, I mean, this is kind of the last thing is that in my opinion, it's not only the thing that's right for you. It's not only the thing that's going to be the best for you, your firm, your employees, your family, blah, blah, blah. It's the right thing to do for that person, right? So if we end up wanting to do what they want to do, and we're just basically being an order taker or answering all their questions or, or giving them a free personal seminar on how a state law works because we're letting them control the conversation, and they decide, hey, you know, this isn't really for me right now, and they go and do legal Zoom, and then 20 years later when they end up passing away and their family is screwed because they have to go through probate, that's a bad thing in my opinion, right? So we have to have the moral imperative. We know that this is something that we're doing not for us, but it's for them, Right. And this is some feedback that we get. It's something to just kind of try to take a little step out of for, for a second. So obviously you guys are attorneys, right? You're an attorney. And if you look at the transcripts of a court document, we're looking for very specific language that will be kind of the smoking gun maybe for, for something ending up being a way or another. But the reality is in, in these conversations, the actual words are service level. So, I mean, this is something that we used to get all the time. People would go out and be like, well, you know what? This person ended up, they just wanted a will. That's all they wanted. Well, yeah, of course they wanted a will. In their definition of the world, that's the only thing that they knew. So the fact that they're saying that doesn't really mean that that was the only thing that they actually needed, right? It means we probably lost control of the conversation and let them dictate how you were supposed to do your job, which we don't, that doesn't matter. Um, what we do want to pay attention to more. So again, people will throw out these things that are false objections. Another thing too, and again, you probably have seen this before or sooner or later, is people pretending that they don't want something or now isn't the time or making up an excuse for something because they've actually just decided that it isn't the right time with you or you're not the person they want to deal with. So we can't really rely on this as evidence the same way we'd be looking at it if this was a legal case. We have to be paying more attention to tone, candor, that kind of stuff. 
So if somebody's being extremely cagey and we'll kind of get into what that would indicate or not indicate. I think that's a hundred percent more valuable information with how you want to conduct your calls than the actual words. So just take it out of the mind. People will come up with anything as far as an objection. There's usually very little content to it. If you think about it again, if somebody says outright, no, this isn't something I can do. This isn't something I could I can ever do, please hang up. You know, I can't, you know, there, there are real objections out there, but it is a vanishingly small amount to the stuff that we generally hear as people coming back to tell about how these calls go. Okay. So basically I, I want to kind of frame this as where things can potentially go. So basically on a perfect call, and we'll, we'll kind of show how we end up getting there. We have a situation where we're controlling the conversation. We're getting the information that somebody needs. They have comfort and they're able to volunteer stuff in the same way that a good doctor would be discussing the different aspects of what was going on with you health-wise, then they're able to make a prescription and, and let you know the best course of action to go there. That doesn't happen without trust and that doesn't happen without them being able to ask the question. So we want to basically be in the same space. So if you kind of think about it in that model, when we've, when we've diagnosed what their challenges are and we have, okay, well, this for that, we're going to need a pour over will or we're going to need a power of attorney or just a simple will, when we present the option, say, okay, cool. So you've told me that we need to take care of your child investment drug problems. Uh, we want to make sure that your your daughter's husband doesn't end up getting the money in the divorce. And we don't make, need to make sure that the, your, your house is going to these people or that people, right? So this is what we need from that. And then basically let them know. And the ultimate close is just, okay, so this is this, that's what you're looking for, right? So where do we go from here? If we've done everything right, there is absolutely no need for hardcore closing techniques. And that's the thing too. Like a lot of the times, like a, a lot of the aversion to this is, is kind of like in that used car salesman. Oh, well, you want to sign this today or you want to sign this tomorrow? Like that kind of stuff. We don't have to get there if we've been able to maintain this frame throughout the entire consultation. So we'll kind of go into the, the two dimensions of how we get there. So I'm going to get to an actual, well, let me skip ahead a little bit just because it'll be fun. So basically we have this, uh, this whole four quadrant axis, right? Just, just consider these four questions. So basically you're either, we're gonna, always going to start out in the middle. The person walks into your office, they walk into the Zoom conference. We're right here in the middle. Now we've got these two dimensions, which is the person who's asking the questions versus the person who's answering the questions. You can't be both. And we have this uh, higher comfort versus lower comfort. So I'll kind of get into those individually. So in general, the person who's asking the questions is the person who's in control of the conversation. Also, you know, this is this could also be described as authority or power or expertise, but basically the person who's asking the questions is controlling. You're in the driver's seat. They're determining where this, this conversation is going to go. In order to do your job, you need to be the person asking the questions. There's very little that, despite what they think, like we already established, the questions that they're asking are coming from a place where they have absolutely no context. So anything that they could ask you as an attorney for the most part, isn't going to really lead them towards a situation that they actually need. They don't know what they don't know. This is why you have to be asking the questions. If it gets to the point where, and then you know, we, when we analyze calls and set up some time with this, if you guys want to analyze any of the calls you guys have been having, you can often see a change in shift. So sometimes somebody in, ends up answering a question, but then flips it and starts asking questions of you. And that's the thing too, that's kind of, we can kind of think about in that model, you've crossed over the axis. Now you are answering questions and you have to fight to get it back over the thing. So it's like any sports game. If you, if you end up dropping the ball, you have to take it back over the 50 yard line so you can get on the offense again, right? And again, this can kind of go back and forth. The second thing is comfort versus discomfort. So basically people will be more apt to answer your questions fully if they feel comfortable. 
comfort is generally developed in, in, in a couple of different ways. So the, the first way, and then, you know, this is, this is a very common thing and you don't want to get too crazy about this. There are, there's some kind of drawbacks to this, but the first thing is that usually you'll set up the technique that's known as rapport in the sales world, or you guys have probably held elsewhere. Right? So we start off at the zero, let's say, all right, cool. Hey, you know, how's everything been going? Yeah. Crazy weather we've been having lately. We're, we're gradually pulling up this level of comfort. And then we're usually going to try to transition to asking questions. So, hey, look, I'm really thankful that you ended up taking the time to talk about your family's future today. Just wanted to get started and ask you a couple of questions. So basically, first thing, developing rapport, great way to start doing comfort. Now, things will get uncomfortable when somebody, there's, there's kind of questions, there's, there's questions that you can ask that are comfort building versus discomfort building. So if you're asking somebody, hey, what's your salary? That is not the worst thing that you could ask somebody, but it's a little bit of an uncomfortable question just based on the norms in our society, right? And again, there's people have different levels for different things. So basically, if you can get somebody talking about something easy, I always recommend starting with those questions first because them talking actually builds comfort with you. Now, there's some questions that end up being some discomfort. And again, like you need to know details about somebody's financial reality. You don't want to lead out of the gate with it because you're going to, uh, you're going to cross below the axis and end up being uncomfortable. And the other thing too, is that if, if we have situations with questions that aren't well received, that's going to be losing comfort. So basically, and if we go all the way, so there's, there's kind of the two ways that things can break. So basically um, I'll kind of go. So the first thing is that, you know, if we trade control for comfort, so when things go off the rails a little bit, and this is actually a tendency that I had a ton of when I was getting started out. And this is actually my first job out of college in sales. So uh, as you guys can probably guess, I am a relatively technical guy. So when I ever, and then my first job ever was selling, um, I was selling basically IT services, B2B, you know, mainframes, software, uh, network stuff. It was, it was pretty, but anyways, whenever I, I felt that I was losing the conversation, I would just start vomiting information about whatever the solution was, right? So this is another way that people can build comfort. Not well, but that's <laughs> generally volunteering information that you know that somebody wants to have is a comfort building move. But again, we're trading authority for comfort in that sort of situation. So again, this is kind of one of the pitfalls that you'll see on these calls. Basically, we, we trade control for comfort. So you have the frame, you're asking the questions, they end up getting you off your, off your base, and then all of a sudden they're asking you questions. Or you uh, volunteer a little bit of information and they ask you other questions. Voluntary information will more often than not get more questions. If you have the control of the questions, that's why it's, it's easier to stay in control. But once you lose it, it's tough to get back. So where this thing would happen, if, if we were to draw this on the axis, uh, we're all the way in the answer thing. And then we're really never, and the other thing, yeah, we're never going to be getting, getting to the point where we're going to actually have to ask the close. Um, the other thing too is that asking for the close is a little bit of a discomfortable thing, right? or sorry, a little bit of an uncomfortable thing. So we need to make sure that we have good comfort and we have good control of the situation and be in the position where we're asking for the close, right? So worst case scenario, they'll waste a bunch of your time. That's obviously a terrible situation. And you're never gonna, you're not even gonna have the control to be able to ask them for the business, right? And that's, that's really not a good situation. So the other thing is having no regard to comfort whatsoever. So the flip side is basically if you're, if you're a little bit less calibrated, some people take this the right way. And it's like, there's, there's some people have a little bit more forceful personalities, right? Nothing wrong with that. Um, just a little bit more assert assertive than people pleasers. And a lot of times they can start asking a lot of questions and not notice that they're, they're losing comfort as it goes on. So we don't want to interrogate somebody. And then you can generally make sure that you're, you're not getting on this path by, and this is where stuff like paying attention to tone 
and how candid they are with their answers is going to be helpful. If you ever can say, I don't feel comfortable answering that, uh, that's something that will literally come up on some of these, these conversations. So that's a good opportunity. You, know, you want to roll back kind of like your easier questions or volunteer a little bit more information or educate them a little bit for a little bit, just to make sure that you, you get things back on. But basically, the game here is that we want to volunteer really. So this is the thing. It's, it's a double-edged sword, volunteering information and educating prospects. But we basically want to, and again, it's like you can get through this a lot of different ways, but in, in general, you want to try to volunteer as little as possible while getting to the end. And over time, this isn't something that you'll develop overnight. But look, even if you've closed 100, 200 people that are coming in from, from a referral, it's a very different situation. I'll tell you why. So when we think about this, when somebody comes in from a referral, they're not starting here. They're starting here. And your authority is probably going to be starting over here. So you don't have to, to, to fight this battle to get here. But again, once you just have here, and you can probably understand you know, the difference, you can lose referral uh, demo conversations as well. It's just a little bit harder because you're kind of starting from 20 yard line. But that's, that's sort, of the, the, uh, sort of the situation. But basically, if we're able to, and this is, this is how I'd kind of consider the perfect call, the textbook consultation, we start out, we build a little rapport, and then we transition into asking the questions. And I'll actually get a script together and just kind of an example of how you might want to do this. And then basically, you have your questions, you keep asking the questions, we're building comfort, building comfort, might be asking a harder question, losing a little comfort, building back up, building back up, by the way. And then we all of a sudden, we have a situation where we have all of the information that we want. We say, okay, based on what you've told me, this is the best way to move forward. So where would you like to go from here? That is the outcome. No crazy closes. It's just the meta conversation. The thing is that if we can keep this, if we can keep control of the ball, it's literally just, you have the authority in the situation where you recommending somebody to do something is it would be silly not to. And you guys can think back. I'm sure you can think about these consults of yours that went super easy. Think of like the easiest clients you ever had. If you want to map this, think about how that thing went. And again, this could be super helpful if you guys ever want to record these. I know a lot of people are doing these over Zoom lately, so it's actually a really good opportunity to do this right now. But think about the good ones. Think about where, where they fell on this axis. There's only two things to really keep in, in mind here. And then the other thing is just for if things go badly, think about where they went badly. Anyways, I'll leave you guys with that. And then there's obviously some things that's just, you know, <laughs> you do have to figure out some logistics after the fact, but getting the commitment from somebody to take the next step forward is really what we consider the closed stuff from there. In addition, we'll actually have a separate video on that will be out for now, but um, yeah, just something to keep in mind. I hope you guys have some success with this. If not, we can book some time and I'm happy to always look over your guys' calls to see what we can find from there. All right. Take care guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the law firm growth podcast for show notes, free resources, and more head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.